tonight. More news than you can shake a triple head. Wait a minute. I guess you can shake a triple head. Multiverse tonight. There are many universes out there. Welcome to the one with news about all the others. This is Multiverse Tonight. Now, here's your host, Thomas Townley. Hello, everyone. And welcome to another edition of uh, Multiverse Tonight. Episode 12 of our little program. I'm your humble host, Thomas Townley. Uh, This episode was recorded on October 23rd, 2018. I want to say to those of you watching and listening to the show, thank you. We've had listeners from across America, Australia, Ireland, Sweden, Scotland, Canada, the Philippines, Indonesia, and Spain. The past episodes, we have had a combined 200 plus listens. And again, I say thank you. If you want to help me carry on, you can tip me via co-fee, Patreon, and now directly from the Radio Public app. I'm going to try some new things here, and now, if you don't like them, let me know. Please uh, check out multiversetonight.com to see show notes, affiliate, affiliate links, the occasional original column, and much, much more. Now let's get on with the show. And we have good news from a good source, actor Oscar Isaac, that episode 9 will be a lot more improvisational than previous entries in the series. Talking to IndieWire, Oscar said, quote, The way they've been shooting it right now is looser than it's been for the last two times. It does feel like a relief to get on set and feel like, oh, we can try things. It's a testament to JJ coming back and feeling confident. There's less pressure for it to be right. We just want to make a good movie and have a really good time doing good time while doing it. Unquote. He then described how different it's been working on this one versus the previous one, saying, quote, Often you do feel like you've got to find your way to make something more alive, but this time it's been the opposite. There's no need to smuggle anything in there. Unquote. He also addressed the fan backlash and that not all fans have the same expectations, saying, quote, People have very strong feelings, but there wasn't as much of an organized way to speak out about it. People that run blogs and websites need content, so it's like, there's some content. Five people on Twitter, hundreds, whatever it is. Then you make it into a story. Unquote. Episode 9 is due in theaters December 2019. So, have you ever wanted your house to smell like a Wookiee? How about an Ewok or a Tauntaun? In the unusual licensed product category, we have Star Wars candle sets. Based on the original trilogy, that's episodes 4 through 6 for, for uh, you playing along at home, come three sets of five candles with scents based on things from the movies. A New Hope has Wookiee, Bath of Milk, Trash Compactor, X-Wing Cockpit, and Cantina, the Empire Strikes Back set has Lightsaber Duel, Han Solo Carbonite, Millennium Falcon, 
inside of a tauntaun, and Yoda's cooking pot, and the return of the Jedi set has Rancor, Sarlacc Pit, Jabba's Palace, Death Star Destroyed, and Ewok. These sets are running around $37 and are due to ship out this month of November. I don't know. I don't I don't know if I really want to smell like smell a tauntaun. Just doesn't seem right. Anyway, Boba Fett is dead. That's the Boba Fett movie, that is. And the Mandalorian is to blame. Eric Weber, a critic, tweeted that he asked Lucasfilm chief Kathleen Kennedy about Boba Fett and was told that Lucasfilm's focus was on Episode 9, The Mandalorian and Ryan Johnson's trilogy. Tough break for the Fett man. A report from The Blast also says that the set of the Mandalorian series has been compromised and expensive camera footage, camera equipment is missing. Lucasfilm is apparently worried that a missing memory card with details of foot or footage from the show could wind up somehow being released. The items were apparently taken from the studio at Manhattan Beach, where production is currently taking place and most likely was done overnight. No official word has been forthcoming from Lucasfilm. Moving over to the animated side of the Force, word has come down that Star Wars Resistance will overlap with The Force Awakens. The series just premiered on the Disney Channel earlier this month. Head writer Brandon Amon spoke to the Sci-Fi Wire about how making it clear where the story lies in continuity helps casual or younger fans with a, run- with a running start on where their story takes place. Quote, It's a little harder for the younger fans to wrap their heads around it if it was, say, 15 years before The Force Awakens. Then, it's a very nebulous timeline. You're not of... You're not, you're kind of not sure. The fact that we've got Poe Dameron and BB-8 from the very beginning, kids, and any fan of any age automatically just know this is the new movies. This is where it's going to take place. So it's just easier. And it is, was just fun to kind of roll in and back up a little bit instead of just trying to follow exactly where the movies are at. Unquote. This could mean that we'll see characters that were introduced but not explored in the recent movies will be able to get some story beats of their own fleshed out on their own characters. George Lucas might have little to do with Lucasfilm, might have little to do with Lucasfilm and Star Wars the universe since he sold it to Disney in 2012, but his force is still strong with the franchise. In Solo, a Star Wars story, the droid L337 had a passion for liberating her fellow droids. This actually came from a concept of Lucas's from back when he was developing the prequel trilogy. This was revealed in a Target-exclusive collectible book that came with the Blu-ray for, for Solo, A Star Wars Story. Quote, Lando Calrissian's literally self-made pilot, co-pilot, L337, is the first mechanical being in Star Wars to embody another idea that George Lucas devised in the early 2000s, droid rights, activism, and autonomy, unquote. Droid activism wasn't the only subtle influence of Lucas's that was put on the film, as George dropped by the set of Solo and offered input on a scene between Han and Kira on the Falcon. In an interview with Variety, Ron Howard said about the encounter, quote, He said, you know, Han wouldn't bother to hang it, hang it up, director Hans, Ron Howard shared with Variety, and then he sort of did it. 
George became a Han Solo for a second. The body language was there, and the attitude. Not only was it a nice accent on the scene, but it was also a reminder that George created this character and really understood him. He was so reluctant to offer his opinion, and yet the choice was so right that it was fun to, u- fun to use it." Unquote. Do you think that the creators at Lucasfilm should have asked for more input from Mr. Lucas on Solo? Have you ever been watching Return of the Jedi and ask yourself how the Ewoks happened to have a dress for Leia to get into? A fan theory posted on Reddit might have a grisly solution given the fact, given the key facts. First, Ewoks eat people. How do we know this? Because the Ewoks were getting ready to roast Luke and Han on an open fire to honor C-3PO. Second is the fact that the dress seems to be made from local material. This means it wasn't something that Leia just happened to have in her pocket on, or on, on her jacket. If you look at the Ewok clothes, they don't seem capable of making anything like it. So that would mean that this just hap- that they just happened to have this dress in their possession when Leia showed up. Where did they get it? Let's go back to 1984 and the Ewok adventure. In it, the Ewoks help two shipwrecked children on a quest to find their parents. At the end, the family stays with the Ewoks until they can repair their ship. The end? What if they never left? What if the Ewoks, after the end of the film, killed and ate the family? That could explain the dress. Of course, I have a couple of alternate theories. One, the family left the dress behind when they left. Or two... Mom died, and the Ewoks kept the dress after the dad and kids left. So, what theory do you think is is correct? Let us know. By the way, here's an odd piece of trivia for you. The film was never read by Burl Ives. Weird, huh? Disney has made back the purchase price it paid for Lucasfilm. To date, the Star Wars movies have made made by Disney have grossed $4.83 billion worldwide. Now, back in 2012, the company was purchased by the mouse for $4 billion. So, they made a wide, wise investment, making that back in only six years. Now, let's go on to some Star Trek news. Lots of Discovery News tidbits to impart here, beginning with news that Javier Baudet who starred in the Slender Man movie, will be an unknown but classic Star Trek alien in, in Season 2. Botet told BloodyDisgusting.com, quote, I can tell you I'll be working in Star Trek Discovery in Toronto. It's going to be a very cool role, so I can't wait to see it. I've been working with my friend Doug Jones, another monster performer. I hope you see it very soon. Unquote. He teased with the hint that it's an old creature, and that it's only in one episode. Speculation abounds on what it could be. Some guesses have been a Telosian or a Saurian. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Jason Isaacs has had some time for reflection on his time on Discovery. Speaking with Metro.News, he talked about how it, it was getting to star in Star Trek, saying, quote, what seven-year-old boy trapped in a 55-year-old man's body wouldn't want to fire phasers and pretend the ship is being hit by Klingon torpedoes? It was heartening that the Star Trek community accepted us. 
They were very resistant at first, but most people loved it. Unquote. He also talked about the resistance to the show and what he thought it was all about. Quote, Two things. Firstly, genuine Star Trek fans who are protective about the, a fandom they've been involved with for more than 50 years in some cases. The other aspect was lunatic racists pretending they were Star Trek fans complaining it had a black woman lead and it was too PC. Half were bots, but that was laughable. Was they, they, didn't, they didn't know anything about Star Trek. It was born out of the Civil Rights Movement. It had the first interracial kiss. It had a Russian on the bridge at the height of the Cold War. At first, I would respond to this unbridled racism, misogyny, and hatred. But when I clicked on their feeds, I saw they were members of the far-right groups and were using it as an easy target. I stopped responding because they only have eight followers and were the oxygen of publicity. Unquote. No, my fault with the show wasn't any of that. It was the fact that it wasn't good, good Star Trek. I didn't care who starred in it or that I'm being protective of the franchise. It just didn't fit my view of something calling itself Star Trek. It takes a shoehorn to get it into a continuity. That's already getting stretched thin, let's face it. They stole the warp effect from Star Wars. Why would different ships in different eras have completely different warp effects anyway? Isn't the same space that they're warping? That and being behind the paywall didn't make me happy either. After watching the show, I feel a touch better about it. But I'm still not happy. Anyway... Saru's homeworld now has a name. At New York Comic Con, Doug Jones has revealed that the name of his world is Kaminar, and that we will be seeing it in Season 2. We will also see Saru's sister in that visit. She will be played by Heather Spear. He also said, he says that, quote, Season 2, Saru finds out something about himself and what it means to be a Kelpian that he didn't know and that you didn't know and I can't tell you today. It will be altering, challenging, evolution, and we get to go to my home planet. Unquote. I wonder if we'll see the predators that eat the Kelpians. Ooh, maybe they're Ewoks. Alex said, quote, We pick up Picard 20 years after the next generation. Heather Kadeen told them the Picard show doesn't feel like anything like Discovery. It's not going to look like Discovery. It's not going to have the same values. We want every show to feel unique so that you're just sitting, signing up for an experience and you get the same one very every time. Unquote. Meanwhile, over the Picard show, you, you know, we, we got to get a title for this show, something. Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Retirement, Star Trek The Next Next generation? Something. Anyway, executive producer, producers Heather Kadeen and Alex Kurtzman talked with DigitalSpy.com. Alex said, quote, We pick up Picard 20 years after the next, next generation. Heather Kadeen told them, quote, The Picard show shouldn't feel anything like Discovery. It's not going to look like Discovery. It's not going to have the same values. We want every show to feel unique, so that you're not just signing up for an experience and you get the same one every time. Unquote. Well, I hope this means that we're going to get the look of the next generation with proper sounds and effects. 
We also got confirmation that the show will run for several seasons. Also, speaking at New York Comic Con, Alex Kurtzman, who is also in charge of the of expanding the Trek TV franchise, teased that we will be hearing about new Trek series soon enough. Kadeen expanded on that quote, I think the one thing we can say is more general is that it's been a real con- conscious effort that every project we do have its own voice and occupy its own space. I don't mean its own space and canon, I mean its own tonal vision. Because you shouldn't tune into Discovery and wonder if you flipped the channel that was Picard. They should feel different. They should have different messages coming from different people. Unquote. You know, this is, this is great news. This means that if you dislike one, you can watch a different one. Great. Just as long as they look at at least all... This as long as they look at least all have all being like Star Trek. Kurtzman also said that there will be gaps between shows to allow for anticipation and avoid franchise fatigue. Quote, You have a good meal, and then you decide to take a walk before you have your dessert. That's how we all look at it. Unquote. I am betting it won't be long enough to, to drop CBS All Access until the new content comes back a lot like we do with Discovery now. You know. You won't have... You'll be, you know, Star Trek Discovery. And next, Star Trek Picard. And next, Star Trek Lower Decks, etc., etc., etc. They won't want you dropping CBS All Access just for, you know, for a few months and then pick up the next series. We know now that Georgiou is getting out of Section 31. Michelle Yeoh talked with IGN about uh, Giorgio's new place in this universe. Quote, Section 31 has all the most updated gadgets because they're the most informed. And she, as an engineer, she can hack into Section 31. And Leland thinks he's in charge of the ship. But she finds out secrets because that's what Section 31 does. It's collected secrets all over the universe about certain people and history and things like that. And so, when you have those kind of secrets, it's power. And for Philippa Giorgio, that's perfect. So if she has, has to be here, she wants to be in Section 31. And she wants to run it, right? Unquote. So, what does Mir Giorgio think of Burnham and their relationship? Quote, It's always going to be complex between the two of them, Yao said. Michelle... Michael is going around with such so, so much guilt from season one, after the death of her beloved mentor and that mother-daughter relationship. And so she saw the Emperor, she couldn't help but feel that that's still the same Philippa Giorgio. And when she found out how hard and ruthless she was, I think in Michael, she wants to bring that humanity back. That's Michael Burnham, right? And for Philippa Giorgio, she's a soft spot for Michael Burnham. So we'll see in the coming season how that plays out. Who is going to bring who? Am I going to bring her to the darker side, or is Michael? Unquote. I just hope that the character won't be kind of shoehorned into the plot. If her character's appearance is perfectly natural to the plot, it'll be just fine. Star Trek is getting animated again. CBS has announced a new half-hour animated series called Star Trek 
lower decks. When sho which shows us one of the support crews of one of Starfleet's least important ships. The show is being developed by Mitch, McCa Mitch, McCa Mitch Mahan, the Emmy-winning writer from Rick and Morty, who will write and executive produce the show alongside Alex Kurtzman, Heather Kadeen, Rod Roddenberry, Katie Krentz, and Trevor Roth. No word has been given as to the exact plot details or when it will see air on All Access. I'll be interested in exact details of this. You know, oddly enough, I, I had a column in uh, when I was in Star, uh, Starfleet uh, was a, a Star Trek group called the Lower Decks. That's fine that the simpatico right there that they're calling the series the Lower Decks. Anyway, in honor of the 10th anniversary of NASA, Fermi Gamma Ray Space Telescope, NASA has named 21 new constellations, including the Hulk, Godzilla, the TARDIS, and the Starship Enterprise. Now, are we going to send the Starship Enterprise to map out the start map out Starship Enterprise? When it became a weird thing, it's very cosmic anyway. Um. Anyway, the house that was featured in the TNG episode The Survivors is up for sale. The house, which survived the Hushnok attack that leveled the nearby colony of Rana 4, thanks to the Dowd Kevin Uxbridge, is located in Malibu, California, on the planet Earth. Built in 1981, the four-bedroom house on two acres has bamboo floors, two fireplaces, a Sonos sound system, and a 440-plus square foot terrace with an ocean view. It also has a two-car garage and is listed for $5.695 million, according to Caldwell Banker Real Residential Brokerage. The Uxbridges not included. Star Trek is getting a new mobile game. Star Trek Fleet Command is a mobile multiplayer st strategy RPG set in the Kelvin timeline from the movies. The game gives players a chance to choose from hundreds of possible missions across the known universe. The game comes from Scopely, the company that made The Walking Dead The Road to Survival, and they're partnering up with Digit Game Studios, which made the game Kings of the Realm. The game will be free to play and will be in the App Store on November 29th. Now, let's move on to some DC news. Let's start with some Arrowverse news. This year's crossover will be Elseworlds themed and will introduce Batwoman to the Arrowverse. Even Arrow himself thinks this will be the best crossover ever. Speaking with fans during a Facebook Q&A, the star of the show said, quote, The crossover is bleep bananas. It's crazy. I think that this will be the best crossover event that we, w that we do. And not just the and not just the best, but the best by a really really wide margin. And I think that last year was fantastic. Crisis on Earth X, I think that's what it was called, and it was pretty crazy. And getting to play doppelgangers was pretty crazy," said Stephen Amell. And he continued on, quote, "When Greg Berlanti first talked to me about why he wants to do crossovers." It was because it's for the fans. 
It's so people can watch characters and scenarios that combine their favorite things on TV or introduce them to new things on TV. But you also get this license to do things that we never could do, that we could never do in the vacuum, especially in Arrow, that we can never do in the vacuum of just our show. Now, on the on that Q and A, the topic of his facial hair came up and revealed that he will be sans beard in an upcoming episode. Quote, "I'm happy to be back to a no- more normal facial hair length," Amel said. It just got to be a bit more towards the end there, but I'm just about to watch a cut of an episode seven, which I believe is Oscar, which, which I believe is Oliver's last episode with the beard, and the episode is going to be bananas, just totally bananas. Unquote. He also knows that Oliver will be in prison for longer than anyone anyone expects. Will he be getting that out for the crossover? Hmm. According to Melissa Benoist's Instagram feed. We'll be visiting the Kent farm in Smallville, the one that was the home to Clark Kent and the family in the TV show Smallville. At that, and by the way, have you seen the promo image? Promo image of Barry Allen as Green Arrow and Oliver Queen as the Flash. Looks very interesting. Deadline reports that Virginia Madison Madsen has been cast as Maria Sutherland on DC Universe's Swamp Thing. The character of Maria Sutherland. As is described in the article as quote someone who traded in her privileged upbringing for the swamps Marias when she married local business magnate Avery Sutherland not yet cast but Avery's longtime obsession with the swamp has driven a wedge between him and Maria her po- her poised existence is shaken further when the return of Abby Arcane reawakens a deep grief over the loss of Marie's daughter Shauna drawing her into the deep supernatural mysteries emerging from the swamp. Unquote. Swamp Thing is set to premiere on the DC streaming service in 2019. Now, here's some more DC news. Zazie Beetz, who played Domino in Deadpool 2, and has one of the most fun names to say, thinks it would be fun to cross over with Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Speaking at the Ace Comic Con, where she was asked by a fan who she'd like to see Domino paired with in the MCU, she said, quote, I just thought Harley Quinn, but she's not Marvel. But I feel like that could be such a fun combination. Unquote. She wanted to say that on the Marvel side, she would like to work, work with the Iron Man side of things, saying, quote, I just think it'd be fun to do a movie with Robert Downey Jr. I feel a Deadpool Iron Man thing could be fun. Unquote. By the way, She's expected to reprise the role of Domino in the X-Force spin-off film. As to if that goes forth, it's up in the air until this merger is complete. Director Ava DuVernay would like to remind us fans that the New Gods movie is still in the pipeline. She's been engaging with fans on Twitter with panels and from and at, for, with panels from the comics. Specifically, from Final Crisis number 5. Could this mean she'll be using bits from not only the original run of the New Gods, but the New 52 version? Unknown. And unknown is the release date for the film. Hopefully, we'll get more of that soon. Fifty Shades of Grey star Dakota Johnson wants to play Catwoman. 
During an interview with Van- Vanity Fair, the actress who has hooked up to a who has hooked up to a lie detector test for this was asked if she'd ever like to star in a Marvel movie and who she'd like to play. She said yes, and that she wanted to play Catwoman before being told that Catwoman is a DC Comics character. Yeah, Warner Brothers, you can do better. The Harley Quinn animated series starring Kaylee Cuoco has found its scarecrow. Raul Caholi, who plays Ravi Chakabarti on iZombie, has been cast to star in the series, which follows our favorite Harley Quinn, in a series of adventures after she breaks up with the Joker and strikes out on her own, joined by Poison Ivy and a bag of ragtag DC cast-offs. You know, this really does sound good. And just to show that Warner Brothers answers prayers, DC, on the DC Daily Show, officially confirmed that James Gunn is writing Suicide Squad 2. Host Tiffany Smith said that, quote, Gunn is poised to bring a completely fresh take to the franchise after the first film was written and directed by David Ayer. Unquote. Filmmaker Gavin O'Connor had been tapped to direct Suicide Squad 2, but had to step away to take another project. Could we also see Gunn direct? We can only hope. And this and this uh, big piece of news as well, Wonder Woman 1984, aka Wonder Woman 2, has been pushed back seven months from November 1st, 2019 to June 5th, 2020. This puts the film back where it belongs in the summer movie camp. Now, the end of Gotham is on the horizon. Yay! The debut date for the final season and, and the two episodes ended on, the now 12-episode season will start on Fox on January 3rd. Just a note that by adding the two episodes to the total number of episodes, this series will end with episode 100. Entertainment Weekly has also shared the first look at The Mother, played by LaManca Garrett, who will be part of this of the focus of the Elseworlds-themed crossover in the Airverse this year. This crossover looks good. I wish I was caught up enough with the series so I could watch it. Let's do some Marvel news. If you remember, Chris Evans tweeted out a goodbye to the role of Captain America. Or did he? He recently talked about it at the Ace Comic Con in Chicago. Quote, I should clarify that I know I did tweet something that made a lot of people think that it was, in some way, a spoiler. I should clarify that regardless of how Avengers 4 ends, I would have tweeted the exact same thing. That last day of filming was a very emotional day, and it was the culmination of almost 10 years of filming and 22 movies, this unbelievable tapestry. You feel a lot more emotions than I think even I thought I'd feel, and I felt it was appropriate to share the gratitude. I know it had a ripple effect, but I am neither confirming or denying anything. Unquote. So, do you think he might come back to the role? Or is it really over? What are your thoughts? Yeah, 
If you've been watching Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. the last five years and thought to yourself, feels more like Marvel's Quake featuring the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you're not that far off. On Reddit, fan Shigitz, Shigitz, C-I-G-I-X-X, I can't make this name up, calculated all of Daisy's screen time to come up with a total of 897 minutes from Season 1 to the end of Season 5. 898 if you count the LMD Daisy. The show was sold to fans as centering around Agent Coulson and his team. Season 6 will be even more Daisy as she takes front and center to lead the team with Coulson May retiring to Tahiti. It's a magical place. The new season will be next July and was moved to summer with hopes of earning a season 7. Time will tell. Doctor Strange 2 and Infinity War actor Benedict Wong has teased that he will be returning to the role of Wong this year, hinting at Fan Expo Vancouver that he would be filming it in December. The film has yet to be formally announced yet, so this announcement is strange, but true. Infinity War was toured the force of acting and special effects, but there's only one Oscar that Disney is campaigning for. Best Visual Effects for the team of Dan DeLuy, Kelly Port, Russell Earl, and Dan Suddick. It's trying for a lot of categories for Black Panther, including Picture, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor for 7, Best Supporting Actress for 4, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, Best Production Design, Best Costume Design, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, Best Sound Mixing, Best Sound Editing, Best Visual Effects, Best Original Score, and Best Original Song. Could this be because Infinity War was a huge visual effects feast, more than an acting triumph? Or could it be because there is such a large cast they didn't want to insult those by not nominating everyone? Who knows? The Oscar nominations will be announced in January of 22nd, 2019. Best-selling author Chuck Wendig was unceremoniously fired from Marvel's Star Wars comics after the editorial department took issue with his recent tweets. Quote, Today I got the call. I'm fired. Because of, because of the negativity and vulgarity that my tweets bring. Seriously, that's what Mark the other said. It was too much politics, too much vulgarity, too much negativity on my part, unquote, he tweeted. For his understanding, this was a large decision and not from Lucasfilm. This was a Marvel decision and not from Lucasfilm. In his large tweet storm about his firing, he tweeted, quote, The editor said he made the call. He seemed genuinely upset about my tweets and profanity, so maybe that's accurate. And again, that's his right to do so. If they honestly feel that my presence will damage the book, I don't want that. I want the book to shine, and artists like Juan, Juan Ramirez and Greg Smallwood, Smallwood to do their amazing thing. Artists like that are gods in my mind, so I'm happy to not distract from their literal, literal magic, but it does set a troubling precedent, one that we've already seen, James Gunn, Jessica White, and so on, of folks fired because they've riled up the wasp nest of Asterisk Gate, unquote. Mr. Wendig has been the target of right-wingers since he introduced LGBT characters in his, Star, in his novel Star Wars Aftermath 
and has been the target of coordinated campaigns to drive down his review scores and get him fired. As a result, the Shadow Vader miniseries that was due out in January has been cancelled. Now, let's get on with some general geek news. The Orville Season 2 is coming on December 30th. And the storylines that have been teased for the se- and have been teased for the season. A press release from Fox said, quote, In Season 2, Ed, played by Seth MacFarlane, and Kelly, played by Adrian Palicki, relationship will take a new turn. When the ship's crew will meet never-before-seen aliens, face old adventures, the advers- adversaries the Krill, and make first contact with a new civilization and revisit the planet's planet Moculus, unquote. I can't wait to see it. Sony is working on a new console to replace its aging PlayStation 4 console. Sony CEO Kenichiro Yoshida, speaking to the Financial Times, said that, quote, At this point, what I can say is that it's necessary to have a next-generation hardware, unquote. Tessa Thompson has been giving us a look at the new Men in Black movie she's co-starring in with Chris Hemsworth. The image released on her Instagram shows Tessa and Chris dressed in black suits and shades, walking with shaded by umbrellas in the desert. We don't know much of the plot, but we do know that the film will not have Will Smith or Tommy Lee Jones, but will expand on the MIB universe. The film will feature Emma Thompson, Liam Neeson, Kamal Nanjani and Rafe Spall and will arrive in theaters on June 14th, 2019. Look for look in our show notes to see a picture that she put up. And that's all the news for tonight. Wizard World is closing 2018 out strong with cons in Austin, Texas, Sacramento, California, and Madison, Wisconsin. Wizard World guests this year have included the Winter Soldier, Sebastian Stan, Jason Aquaman Momoa, Ray Cyborg Fisher, and Ezra the Flash Miller in the Justice League movie, Dave Bautista and Palm Clemente from Guardians of the Galaxy, Natalie Dormer and Sean Bean from Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings actors Billy Boyd and Sean Austin, and fan favorites like Michael Rosenbaum, Jules Satie, Charisma Carpenter, Henry Winkler, and many more. Use our coupon code MULTIVERSE at checkout for 20% off the cost of your tickets. Get your tickets today. Yeah. <clears throat> There's only one show left. Uh, just go ahead and use the uh, code MULTIVERSE, all one word, for 20% off admission to the final show of the year. Uh, that one is in Madison, Wisconsin at the end of November, November 30th. December 1st and 2nd. Be sure to check our social media, Twitter, at MultiverseDom, and on Facebook and Instagram. And if you'd like to donate some money, please do so at co-fee.com slash multiverse, or on Patreon as well. And be sure to visit multiversetonight.com and check out our affiliate marketplace, show notes, and more. And if you're a subscriber... Be sure to share us with your friends, and if you're brand new to the show, please be sure to subscribe and leave us some feedback, and let us know how we're doing. Special thanks to Lobo Loco for our theme music. 
thanks for watching Multiverse tonight. We will be back in two weeks. Now, please exit the multiverse in an orderly fashion. Good night. Multiverse Tonight is a production of Half-Baked Genre Productions, copyright 2018, all rights reserved.